everyone. My name's Lucian. Okay. So, I started fashion modeling at about 19, and it became my full-time job at 21, right after I finished studying architecture at uni in Australia. It all started when I plonked myself in New York City for about a month with no real intention other than to just be there. Incidentally, I had arrived during New York Fashion Week and I was surrounded by beautiful people with haircuts and clothes I'd honestly never seen before whilst growing up in Australia. I was captivated by how alive the city felt. This new world was so intriguing and exciting. I learned about club kids whose actual job was to get dressed up and go to parties. That's a thing. I became friends with fashion stylists who would be on a plane once a week to some exotic, chic location across the world. I somehow managed to talk my way into getting represented by a now defunct agency called Adam Models. The agency was basically a front for something, I'm still not sure of what. <laughs> Tucked away in the back of a smelly office building in New York's Midtown. Together with my new agent, Kevin, I took some digitals <laughs> and had them printed on an A4 page. This became my portfolio or book. I went to my first ever casting with this piece of paper and looked around me in the waiting room at all the other guys who had encyclopedia-sized portfolios with all their images from past shoots. I met Angus Munro, who's a lovely casting director, and basically had no idea what I was doing. I booked the job, which is to say the client booked me. It was for a brand called Eden's Runway Show. The brand was all about sustainability, which was very new at the time in 2013. <laughs> and it was founded by Bono's wife, Ali Hewson. The show was in a warehouse space in Chelsea, and I can remember being in a freight elevator packed full of models, about 20 of us, about to go up and get our hair and makeup done after having a collective cigarette break. Smoking a million cigarettes is basically all you do before a runway show. The call time is usually four hours before the show, so there really isn't much to do apart from smoke and hang out, unless you are getting a crazy hairdo or a strange full body makeup situation, something luckily I only had to do once. Before the elevator took off, a little assistant put her hand in between the doors and asked us all to get out of the lift. With hesitant umming and ahhing, to my surprise, everyone obliged. Standing behind the little assistant was Anna Winter. Peering through her black glass veneer, she had cleared an entire lift just so she could ride up alone. I thought to myself, awesome. <laughs> I had just watched The Devil Wears Prada and the September issue, so I knew exactly who this woman was. Upon reflection, I actually cared more about seeing Anna Winter in the flesh than I did about meeting Bono backstage. I was so naive and completely out of control, but it felt fantastic. I was an outsider, so I crept along carefully, making sure not to blow my cover. I was quickly meeting people who seemed so important and famous with an ability to command the attention of an entire room. Someone like Tom Ford, whose presence could be felt five minutes before he entered the room, and yet is as sweet and curious as a lamb. Being swept along into this new world where everything seemed to make so much sense, yet was so absurd and nonsensical at the same time, was like a real-life Alice in Wonderland tale, and yes, I was Alice. <laughs> I continued to model throughout the world, world after deciding to give it a crack full-time at about 21 years old. Modeling full-time was fantastic. It allowed me to travel, put money in my pocket whilst I studied, and opened me up to a world in a way I'd never thought possible. 
I got to work in Beijing, drink a Moscow mule with Julianne Moore and wink at Will Smith whilst walking for Margiela. At the same time I was growing up, coming into the man that stands before you today, I was cultivating my identity. Getting work as a male model is a strange process. Basically, you do castings for fashion shows, which you are then hopefully booked on. You spend about a month doing what they call the circuit, traveling from New York for shows to Paris for castings, then London and Milan for shows, then back and doing it all over again. The top industry people, stylists, designers, etc., they see you at the said shows and they book you for bigger marketing jobs such as campaigns, which is where the real money is. Before you get booked on one of these jobs, you go to more castings where you'll be asked to do a range of strange and humiliating yet hilarious things. I remember I was at a casting for a very big fragrance campaign in Paris. The casting director was sitting behind huge lights while a cameraman filmed. She was shouting, Now pretend you are in love with the perfume bottle. Look at it. Look at the bottle. It is your one true love. Kiss the bottle. Kiss it. French kiss the bottle. Incidentally, I didn't book the job. I started to realize the casting process is utterly subjective and thought that it didn't matter if you were nice and sweet or rude and bitchy. Your chances of booking the job will still be the same. If I had the wrong hair color for the wrong casting agent on the wrong day, it didn't matter how prepared or groomed you were, the job would not be mine. If a client does happen to like you after all this, they will contact your agent and get an option on you. These options go up in priority level from one, two, three, etc. Then if they want you, they put you on hold and you can remain on hold up until the night before the job. So if you're someone who likes to be in control, the notion of being on hold can be quite a testing experience. It can feel as though you have no power in the situation, no way to really better your chances, no way to try and improve for the next time. Just sit and let fate take control. Or so I thought. Feeling powerless is an interesting phenomenon. Sometimes we hand over the keys unnecessarily without realizing that we are actually always in control. As a male model, I continually felt powerless. People talk about you in front of you as if you weren't there, as though you're an object. It's really quite bizarre. There is a big difference between female and, and male modeling too. It's one of the very few jobs where the pay scale swings the other way. In general, female models are treated and act like gods, whereas male models are disposable and replaceable. You will have clothes literally being fitted to you as people discuss certain elements of your body as though you're a sim standing by waiting for a command. You would just completely be at the mercy of others sometimes. I remember the one casting agent who I won't name, but if you really want to dig deep enough, they were eventually called out for doing this. They would take our books, portfolios, and hold them so that we couldn't leave, effectively holding us hostage. <laughs> Keeping these young male models in a room, having them take turns to walk up and down a pretend runway for hours on end. The casting director would sit at the end of the runway at a large long table, half watching, talking, smoking cigarettes and drinking Diet Cokes, sometimes barking a command. Stand up straight, straighter, straighter. This would disrupt your entire fashion week as we would miss other castings or fittings. Stay up to the wee hours doing nothing and then be wrecked and tired for the days ahead. I quickly learned that this was all a sneaky tactic to try and get models for their show as an unofficial exclusive. An exclusive is when you book a model at a high price who is then only allowed to walk your show and not allowed to do any other runway shows for anyone else that season. 
So using this technique, the casting director was able to hold the models on exclusive for their shows at effectively a tenth of the price. Communications between agents regarding these jobs and their statuses were all generally handled via email. I would get CC'd in, but just watch from afar as they would throw around options, rates, and ask about my availability. I quickly learned that if I didn't hear much about a job, it probably wasn't going to happen, and I started to get a good sense of when something was looking promising or not, although sometimes things really did surprise me. The instability and lack of control around this system led to me turning off my email notifications, which are still actually off to this day. I would tell myself that I was in control of knowing when I would check the news on my job by readying myself, then refreshing my inbox, rather than letting emails ping in at real time and potentially ruin whatever good mood I happened to be in. I would create little voodoo rituals around when I would check and follow up and how. The smallest piece of information or insight into how the job's outcome was progressing would linger in my mind for far longer than it should have. In short, I was becoming fully obsessed with my career progress, but also fully obsessed with trying to better my chances in succeeding and working with the best of the best. I thought about ways of improving. If I was a musician trying to get a record deal, I would learn more instruments. Or if I was a dancer trying to get cast in Swan Lake, I would keep rehearsing and learning. With modeling, there really isn't much you can do to better your chances of booking something other than to change your appearance. I was already skinny and had long hair. My agents told me I had found my niche and that if I was to change anything, I wouldn't book jobs. So I listened to them and decided to just leave it up to fate. But leaving things up to fate is frustrating. Fate is unpredictable. Fate is not in control. Whatever will be right, but how could I take control of my own outcomes? I started to slow down with modeling and focus more on filmmaking. After surrounding myself with so many amazing creative people, especially in the fashion industry, I was able to find work making films and campaign content to market and sell fashion. I felt inspired and thought, finally, I will have the ability to better myself to get these jobs and be in control. Sounds great, right? Turns out they use a pretty similar system for booking creatives. Usually the client will reach out with an inquiry, you give them your rates and essentially pitch for the job and then they put you on hold. <laughs> so until recently it felt like the notion of being on hold was forever going to be present in my life. I started to dig deeper. As I continued to model and make films in tandem, I investigated what it really takes to book the job. What does it take to get someone on board when all they are able to see is some pictures of you or some pictures by you? I looked around me and I realized that people who inspired me had a certain attitude, a certain presence. They were always in control. They were always calling the shots on how they reacted and responded. Sure, the work, images and output are important, but I realized that attitude is more important. It's about how you view yourself and also about how you see the world around you. Yes, working as a model, I was traveling the world, yet I was still on hold. It felt as though I had put myself in a corner. I had boxed myself in. Getting these jobs, either modeling, filmmaking or anything, wasn't simply up to chance. It's all about how you carry yourself and about how you choose to see the world. An arrogant person with their nose in the air, which I was becoming in my entitled young years, will eventually reach the end of the road as their cards begin to fall. Whereas the humble but true artist who treats others with real interest and humility ignites the hearts of those around him with kindness, patience and artistic merit, which shines through with grace and poise. Because whether you like it or not, you radiate energy and those around you pick up and absorb it. We are contributing to a collective feeling and if what you are contributing is positive and pure, then it's infectious and people will want to keep you around. 
Sometimes it is subconscious. Some people are naturally really tuned into it. All of us know someone who is socially aware. We bounce off each other like a game of marbles. If you aren't conscious of how you're contributing to that bounce, then there could be a problem. I had a lot more success with modeling at the start and I always just put that down to being younger and having the currency of youth in my pocket. Yes, that's a thing. I started to book fewer and fewer jobs. I thought, okay, this is just what happens and there's nothing I can do about it. Now when I think back, I realize that my unjaded positive response and outlook at the start of my modeling career was infectious. The naivety worked to my advantage in that I was really unfazed by anything. No skin off my back, as it were. I've made it through my mid-twenties and Saturn is returning or leaving. Mercury is in retrograde and the great Melbourne earthquake of which we are all still to fully rebuild and recover from. <laughs> now that I'm coming through the other side, I'm trying to tap back into that attitude of looking at the world with an element of naivety and wonder. Looking at people in the same way I did back when I really started to explore the world. My approach now toward business and creative industry is less of a naive response and more of an educated decision. I can't control others' decisions over who books me or why. I can't control the weather as much as I would love for it to not be La Nina this summer. And I can't control when my cats feel like a cuddle. But I have found peace. Maybe my ability to surrender to the universe and let things be as they may is to be in control. I'm always in control of how I respond to events that are sometimes chaotic. My outlook dictates how the world sees me in return. So put me on hold, keep me on hold for as long as you need. I'll be fine either way. <laughs>